we have a story, each one of you do. And if you think about your heritage, you might tell me about your parents and maybe their parents and might even go back to where you came from, Europe or Asia or Africa or whatever. But really, I'm going to get us to go a little bit farther back, talk about the origin and what big story we fit into. There's a big story that is his story. And you may not be aware of how big a deal you are. And I don't mean to come and just, you know, uh, individually. Look, I know that, like Jimmy said about himself, I'll say about myself. It, you know, in and of myself, in me, that's not a big deal. It's really not. Because at the end of my life, okay, I hope they don't talk about my titles. I hope that, you know, they don't, we, we don't go to the cemetery. Like, I'm going to just tell you what, uh, this guy named uh, Compolo that used to preach, and he'd say, man, it doesn't matter, Tony Campolo, whoever you are, man, are they going to talk about your titles? Are they going to talk about your testimonies? Because if they talk about your titles, they'll do that for a few minutes, throw dirt on your face, go back to the church and eat potato salad. I mean, really, that's, that's a little harsh, right? Okay, I'm just saying, he said it. But, it's kind of like at the end of our life, if it's not the testimonies that we leave, what is it? And I hope that it is the story that you have that made an impact in who you knew and who God brought to your life and how it plays into the, the great big story. See, God has purposed you and that's what you need to know. First, before I go on, let me just say a couple of things I'm very impressed in my heart to say about Crossroads Decatur. Since I've been here a few times and I feel it even strongly in the preparation for this message, and while I've been here, it's, it's on my heart to say, this is a redemptive church. You love the story. You love to see broken people get better. And you welcome them into your midst as broken as they are. And that's part of your distinctiveness. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In fact, some of the more broken that they are, thank you for allowing us to hear about your Embrace Grace story and, and not being ashamed of that. Because really, all of us are the same. Brokenness and Jesus redeemed us. And now we have a story to really tell. Isn't it good? You love that story. I, I think that's great. I love your embrace graceness. I love your union gospel missionness. I love your uh, your 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 footprint in the in the earth. Man, Ireland is different because of you. It really is. You guys have more significance than you realize, and it's not just in things you do, but in who God says you are. And I hope that that's an impartation I give you today. You are a part of a very, very big deal. I love that you love this, the redemption story. Here's what, so the other thing, is you love to develop people. You love to disciple them. Like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, he said, these things which you've seen and heard from me, these entrust to reliable men so that they may be able to uh, teach others also. And I think you love developing people. 
I've been a benefactor of that and, and have an opportunity to even share with you. And my son, Josh, who runs sound here and has been an intern, has been a benefactor of the loving kindness that's here in this congregation. So I don't know if that helps you in, like Hebrews 6 says, to not grow weary in well-doing. But sometimes when you're in the thick of it and you just walk one step at a time and a you know, medium to small town and, and medium to small church, you're wondering what difference you make. I'm here to tell you, I believe God's saying to me to tell you, you're making a big difference. You make it easy to know where Jesus is and where to find him. And your story, it doesn't have to be in this house, but where you take your story, be the same way. Be the Second Corinthians chapter 5 ambassadors and representatives. You represent Christ to the world. You can do that unreligiously just by telling your story. So, how's that? That's free. That's the introduction. I uh, hope that's... I wasn't not asking for a clap, although I like claps, so... Thank you for the clap. Great to be in a house that loves redemption because I'm one of those people. And let me tell you that, okay, here, here's the whole Bible. Ready? Won't take, I got an hour and, I'm just kidding, just joking. So creation, Adam and Eve, God created a marriage. He said, that's very good. But sin came in the world, that wasn't so good. Cain and Abel split off uh, ugliness in the generations, redo, start over, flood from Noah. And then generations later, Abraham came. God promised to fashion a nation, Israel, to provide for and protect and purpose in the earth, to show his character and kindness through. He made a covenant with Abraham to do that. Okay, they, they messed it up and at first and made an Ishmael, but then Isaac came and through Isaac, the seed who is going to be Jesus is, is going to be in the world. So Israel was formed and became a national, international power in victorious time and David and, and Solomon and his riches, but then there's some not so good kings and a lot of rebellion and didn't obey the law of Moses and got worse and went into idolatry and the prophets came and went, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, let's get back to where we came from, to Abraham, to let's get back there. Hey, come here. Let's go back. God is calling back to himself. And they went, no, we're good. We like the idols and we're the, you know, free sexuality. We like all that. We're going to go to the world and, and just, and so the destruction came and the the wrath of God came and imprisonment came really to, as a whole nation, Babylon enslaved the, the very people of God. How backwards is that? In a period of silence after the major and minor prophets and then the hero of the story comes on the scene. And that's, it's really strange how mysterious and quietly Jesus came, but he's the hero for sure. And he didn't only just he didn't come just to raise Israel to, to be a predominant nation. What he did was free us all from sin. And he was the seed prophesied about to graft you and me into this redemption story. So we get 
everything Abraham got. That's good news. Because if you know the covenant of Abraham, there's promise, there's protection, there's reproduction there. As in, your inhabitants will be many. And so God wants us to be fruitful and multiply even now. And that's not just have a bunch of kids. Although that's, kids are good. Uh, most of the time, kids are good. Is it, they really are. Trying to convince myself. No, I'm not. My beautiful kids are here. Uh, my other beautiful kid is playing drums this morning. That's why he's not here, Josh. But this is Bella and Abby. My beautiful wife is here. So it's not just our, me and mine. It's what spiritual inhabitants we make too. Jesus the hero. Paul comes and comments and unpacks all that Jesus was. And the, the church is formed through these apostles and supernatural Holy Spirit comes and allows us access to the Father because of the blood of Christ. It's a new day. It's a new covenant. It's a new way. And in the end, the revelation, it's really, really good. You know why the devil attacks us in our origin because he attacks us in our identity and he attacks us because he can't have what you have in Christ he can't ever have heaven had that got kicked out he can't ever have sonship had that blew it he didn't want to worship God anymore he wanted to be God bad idea you know what the great I am means it's, it's that you're, one of the things that, that God said, I am the great, I am that I am. What I am means is you're not. And I'm not. We're not God. Nobody's God except God, right? I hey mean, I worked on that. I thought that was going to be more funny than that. <laughs> I hope it gets better from here. Hey, I can preach a long time. No, just kidding. So let's go to, let's first of all talk about your origin, and you're grafted into a big, big thing. Let's look, Isaac, I'm excuse me, Isaiah, in the middle of the Bible story, is saying, he's the one going, hey, let's get back to where we came from, and here, let's pick it up in chapter 51. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were cut, and the quarry from which you were hewn Look to Abraham, your father, to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was only one man. Yeah, 98 years old man. And blessed him and made him many. He made a nation through his seed. How important was that story? And you might be thinking, okay, that's thousands of years ago. What does that have to do with me here in Decatur, Texas today? So glad you asked. Because Paul told the church in Galatia this in chapter 3. It ties right in. And it says, understand then that those who have faith. How many, are, how many have faith in Jesus Christ? Okay, you know what you are? You know what I am? We are children then of Abraham. All of that heritage, yours. All of the promises, yours too. You're grafted in to the biggest deal. You're, you're the favorite. You're the firstborn son grafted in to him. Let's, let's keep going. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles. How many Gentiles? Non, Non-Jews. Okay, a bunch of us. Only, okay, most of you are Jews. 
Golly. I'm telling you, this is tough. Barry, how do you do it? Okay. Sorry, I'm just having fun with you. I like you. I already said that. So, by the Gentiles, by faith, and announced the gospel to advance, in advance to Abraham. So, when Abraham came, the gospel was alive. It was just in the seed. Jesus was not a secondary thought. He was not a second, he was not a plan B, y'all. From the beginning, this was, this was God's idea. So in Abraham, and then it says, all nations will be blessed through you. Ladies and gentlemen of Crossroads Church, you're in the family. You're part of a big deal, and that is your origin. You came from him. Let's talk about Abraham just for a minute. He was just a guy, but he was a man that God chose. Okay, and he made, although he was one, and a, and a pretty weak one, being 98 years old, uh, then to start a family, and, and to, through that to start a whole nation, it seems like it's a little late, but God's never late. Man, I've argued with God, I've thrown temper tantrums about how late he is. God, you seem slow to me. I've never been able to manipulate God by all that talk, but I at least got to share my feelings. And you know what? I was wrong every time. God's right on time every time. Isn't he? Okay. So Abraham, you know, 98 years old, feeble, just a guy. I want to tell you, God chose him. And the same way you are here today, God chose you. God chose me, not because of talent or looks or anything attractive. It's because of the kindness of his will. That's why we're chosen. So, again, I'm saying that's your origin. You're chosen sons and daughters grafted in with all of the history of the patriarchs. You're a big deal. I'm just saying. So what does your story have to do with the big story? So the Bible is not about you, and it's not written just to you. Some people kind of treat, let me, let me not say some people. I have treated it in the past like my devotion book. And it is devotional and is very inspirational, of course. But it's not to give me a positive, favorable thought for the day. Y'all, it's, it's the word of life. And as I read it, it reads me. And it starts guiding me and telling me by the spirit in which it's written. It, listen, it, it tells me where I fit in all this thing. So it's good of you to know the story and know the Bible. But even if you don't know very much of the Bible, you might be the Bible for some people. Just think right now about the influence that you have. We talked about Crossroads and through its life, how many people it's influenced. But think about yours. Who do you have in your life right now that doesn't know the Lord Jesus? And if you will get in agreement with the Holy Spirit, simply asking him, saying, I'm, I'm here. I'll, I'll share what you've done with me. Jimmy just said, I'm an open book. And I'm not suggesting you tell all your dark details to every person. Or try to be oversaved. You know what that means? 
like try to force your story on somebody. Some of you don't know what oversaved is. Okay, when somebody sneezes, if you say God bless you, that's a good thing. If, you, if somebody sneezes and because you're trying to convince somebody about your Christianity, may the God of Isaac and Jacob and Abraham bless you and keep you from now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a little much for a sneeze. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but you shouldn't do that. It's just, it's just, okay, because people, but if you tell your story... And you're as open as Jimmy was with us. You don't have to be nervous because we all have the same story. It may not be from the same past or the same details, but man, weren't we all lost? And now in Christ Jesus, we're found. So who gets the credit? Okay, so it's wonderful for you to share your story. It's important for you to. I'd practice it if I were you. The, the 10 second version, the one minute version, the three minute version, but someday you might get to share your 30 minute variety, the details of your life. And I, I just think God can use your story because you're going to be a representative of something. It's what you talk about. People talk about TV shows or football teams or in my case, how in pain I am about football team, uh, you know, we're going to talk about something. And if we get to share our story in the midst of that, then it's, it's a beautiful thing. God can use to, to represent him in the earth. But as you, let me just tell you one story as, as we close. Again, the legacy that we leave is not just the money we, we leave behind. So money is good. And land is good, and a business is good that you leave an inheritance for your kids. But if that's what you're spending your life to give away, Solomon would have advice for you in Ecclesiastes. All this work and toil that I've worked for and someone else raises basically the the child that I bore. So everything that we, you just can't take it with you. Everything we have. And it's good if you leave it to your children, but maybe they'll, it's, it's going to get spent is what I'm saying. I'm not mocking an inheritance. I'm saying that's, that let's make more of our legacy than that. There's a lady who was in a sinful place, sexually sinful, bad reputation. And she had heard that Jesus was coming to this to town. And so she came uh, to Simon, who not the, not the disciple Simon, Simon the Pharisee's house. Now, you know that Simon was asking Jesus to come to his house because he wanted to pontificate about spiritual stuff or talk about the intricacies of the law or let's get into the controversial stuff about the Bible or it wasn't the Bible, I guess there was the law, like I said. So Pharisees love to do that kind of stuff and they're checking out Jesus. Because he'd been speaking life to people, but he'd been showing supernatural stuff. He'd been healing and, and delivering people of demons. And they're like, whoa, that's different. Tell me, come to my house. But what they didn't expect is a woman with a bad reputation. The Bible calls her in Luke 7 a, a sinful woman. And if you look the Greek up in sinful, that's about promiscuity. 
may even been a prostitute, I don't know. But what you do know is she had a bad reputation and she gets her alabaster jar from her cupboard, her, her safe place where she'd been keeping it. That's her life savings. And she carries it to across town and you know people are sneering and, and looking their, down their nose at this sinful person as she goes to the Pharisee's house. She's the only woman in a room full of men, and not just men, but proud men. So just think of it, and ladies, I, I hate to tell you, but in that time and period in culture, women were looked down, at, down on as very much secondary to men anyway. So here's not just a woman, but a sinful kind. You don't want to be around those people. That's what the Pharisees were all about, man. Don't be around bad people like that. Be around good people like this. And so she has to go into his house. You know what? She didn't care about Simon the Pharisee. There were two types, two groups of men there that I think the Bible can, can uh, sh share with us. One is the disciples. And Judas, for particularly, he didn't like what happened. Because what she did, she came in and she broke. You can't poke a hole in this this jar or box, another version of the Bible says, you, you can't pour a little bit out. When you break it, it's broken. And it went on Jesus' head and, and down on his feet. And she was washing his feet with her tears and drying his feet with her hair. Now, feet had been in some not clean places in those days. Okay? They're walking on the streets. So it's customary to wash your feet as you go and recline in someone's home. So what happened was this woman was giving everything she had. Well, Judas didn't value that. He valued financially. Whoosh, that's a waste. That thing was worth a year's wages. She just broke it and poured it on him. Okay? Which of those two valued correctly? The sinful woman valued the worship of Jesus. And Judas valued the money that he thought was wasted. And said could give it to the poor. Poor, you mean Judas like a poor Jew named Judas? Is that what you mean? So he was a robber. And look, for, I don't want to keep judging Judas today. The point is, there was a different in value system. And the other group of men were these Pharisees. And Simon didn't like it either. He's thinking, some prophet, uh, we're going to start a rumor here because he's receiving her. He's receiving that kind of worship. Jesus is receiving the worship from a sinful woman. If he were a real prophet, man, he'd know what kind of woman that is. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Simon, let me ask you a question. If there's a landowner that owed a guy $50, a, a, a landowner who a guy owed 50 bucks, and then another who owed him 500, and he forgave them both, which one would like him more? And Simon said, well, I guess the 500. And he, Jesus said, well, you've answered correctly. When I came into your house, 
There is no water for my feet to be washed. When I came into your house, you didn't greet me with a hug or kiss. Probably what he got greeted with is, let's talk about the law. Let's talk about you, Jesus. You're a little weird. You do healing and demon casting out stuff. That's what he wanted to talk about. But he didn't greet him. And this woman is washing his feet with her tears. She's pouring out everything she has to him. All of her hope is in Jesus. Right in that moment. That's a picture of worship. Probably better than any wor- anything else in the Bible, or at least as good. It's, it's all I have is given to all you are. Hey, she's probably the only one in the room who really knew the value of who Jesus was. I'm saying, the sinful woman, the bad past, she's asking forgiveness. She's doing business right now with him. So who's it going to be written about, Simon? Look The look down your nose at and judge other people? Well, he got in the Bible too, but it wasn't for a good reason, was it? But this is what was written in Matthew 26 about the woman that was called sinful woman. Now her name has changed to forgiven woman. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. That's a legacy. That's her story. My story was that I was filthy dirty and I came to Jesus and in front of everybody, he cleansed me. I had no reputation. I had a terrible reputation and he renewed it right then and there. So now she gets to go to God at at the end of judgment and go, "I, I had nothing but your son covered me. Okay, come on in, forgiven woman. Come on in, child of God. What what are we going to be? Like Simon? Man, I didn't do any of that bad stuff that woman did. Well, what about judging? What about that? Is self-righteousness okay? Not okay. Because you're placing yourself in the judgment seat as, as though you are God. Or though you're, we are, you know, equipped to judge people. We're not equipped. Again, God is the great I am, and that means we're not. He is God. He is judge. He is righteous. So let's, let's talk about our legacy here for a moment. What are we going to be able to leave that's lasting? And if I told you that your heritage matters, and you're buying that, and your story matters and you're buying that, then what your identity is, is that you're a child. You're beloved. What you can do from that grace gift that you didn't earn and I didn't earn, that your children, is now you're free. You're free to tell without worry about your reputation, like that woman, like her. You're free to be a representative in supernatural power. Not just the words of your mouth, but the demonstration of the power of God working through your life. Yes, you. You can do miracles. You don't know this yet, maybe. Some of you do. 
What we've talked about this, this morning is already miraculous. But when you go to Union Gospel Mission, those of you who have signed up, you can pray for those guys and on those girls and expect God to intervene and do supernatural things by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, he's here. And I'm telling you, he wants to do that to you and with you today. He includes you. He doesn't employ you like, okay, I'm going to save you, but you better do stuff the rest of your life to kind of try to earn it. No, that'll never happen. You're his child, and he, because of that, he includes you as family in the family business. I'm just going to ask you to stand, if you would, for a moment and ask the worship team to come. And we're going to get back into some of those uh, places of, of lingering and, and worship. Because I don't exactly know what the Holy Spirit's done in your life through the word I feel like he assigned me to give to you. But I guess what I'm asking you is let's just listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And let's respond. And, and when we start the music, if the, if the prayer team would come. And I just want to ask, there's a couple of places maybe of folks who need prayer. Those who might have... Uh, stepped in a, in, a, in a place you've been hurt by an injustice and you're having a really hard time letting that go. There's going to be people here to pray. You may not have to tell your whole story, but somebody can agree with you in prayer. And if you don't want to come down, you can write at your seat, uh, pray and just ask the Holy Spirit to free you from that. You can release judgment and name the person and just release that judgment and anger right then and right there. I know it's, it's, I'm making it sound way, way too easy. But God will trade you. He really will. He'll trade you today. I've been angry countless times and held people in contempt. And it's never worked out for me. But what has is that trade. When I release the people to God and bless them instead of wanting curse on them. And God changes all that, changes my heart, breaks my heart like he broke the woman's heart. And I start pouring out worship to the judge of all judges. The second group is maybe you're like the woman. You just want to be a full worshiper of God. You want to receive from him and come into his presence and stay there, not just when we sing, but in your life, you, you want your worship life to expand so much. I tell you, God wants to take shame from you today. He wants to give his spirit to you today in exchange. So let's go back into worship and just let the, the Lord work. Prayer team, if you'll come down or anyone who wants to come pray, uh, let, let's do business with God right now.